Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I wanna encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. Super excited to be here and have you with us. And very excited uh, to get to know a little bit more about our guest today, Stephen Mitchley. Uh, Stephen comes from us uh, or comes to us as Chief Strategy Officer of Vitality Group, which is a global health tech company. And I'm going to let him do the background. I just, I'm super excited he's here. For those of you that, that know me, and well, for those that don't know me, um, I, I got, um, became ill back in 2007, discovered CrossFit, and opened and built a CrossFit gym for about seven years. And so I'm passionate about health and particularly um, excited about what he brings and bringing health to, um, to the business world. So anyhow, with that, Stephen, if you would, can you just give us some background, fill in the blanks for our listeners? Absolutely. Um, thanks, Todd. Uh, great to be with you today. Um, yeah, I, I think I share, I share your passion for health, particularly health at the workplace. Um, I've been with the company now 21 years. And uh, prior to that, I was working on the gold mines as a, uh, a section engineer, as a mechanical engineer with a, a lot of expertise in thermodynamics and refrigeration and all sorts of odds and ends. And I concluded doing that, that being super specialized really wasn't for me. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to do more. I wanted to um, find out more about how people interacted with machines rather than machines themselves. And I stumbled, stumbled across this little company at the time, and we had about 900 staff, um, really shaking shaking up the South African medical industry. Um, and what I liked most of all about the company wasn't just that they weren't entrepreneurial, but they, they had a core purpose of making people healthier. And um, everything was anchored around eight core values. So at seven at the time, um, core values like um, honesty and integrity, um, innovation, optimism. Uh, my favorite one was uh, liberating the best in people. I mean, uh, I still, that still remains my favorite value. And uh, yeah, 21 years later, here I am. Um, did, did some work, some really interesting work um, back in South Africa, but then was asked to move across to to the US where we had a, a health plan that was really struggling it had had the same sort of principles that we have within our programs but really struggling to compete against you know the giants in the healthcare industry and what we found was um, most employers that were on the program on the, the the health plan really liked our vitality program which is a incentive-based wellness program and we thought well imagine if all that we did was that just helped employers get their their, their workplace healthier and you know, don't don't worry about the health insurance. And Vitality Group was was born. Um, this is two thousand eight. Um, I think we're we've grown fairly successfully. But yeah, there's a great example of a lot of trial and tribulation, a lot of contribution to the the, 
the US healthcare system with very little gain. But what came out of it was um, a fantastic business that, that really does help redirect the focus on not just providing a benefit, a, a material benefit of healthcare, but rather changing the attitudes of, of people at work, um, helping them with their daily struggles. Um, and what I find fascinating is that the whole the whole company is geared around this idea that you know you can have a good day, you can have a bad day, as we do at work. And when you go to home, you ask yourself a simple question: Did I make somebody healthier? Um, it certainly is. It's a it's a very great purpose for, um, and it lines perfectly with my faith as well. You know, this is some of the discussions you have in our faith base. But to be in a company where you've got core values that align with your core beliefs, you're passionate about what you're trying to achieve for for the end consumer. It's it's, it's really an honor and a privilege. It sounds incredible. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Um, so liberating the best in people, um, to, like, just speak to that for a minute. What? Yeah. So, you know, often, often you, you have um, a leadership role. You've got staff who report to you. They might be struggling. They might be doing very well. And if, if you take that value um, to heart, well, folk are doing really well. You actually want to, them to do better. You want them to go beyond what you, you can provide to them or the, the roles that you can give them. And if folk are doing badly, it's not around course correcting. It's around finding what really, really works for them. You know, what, what are their um, God-given skills? What are their talents? What, how could they apply themselves and find fulfillment within the, the workplace? Um, yeah, it, it, it does inspire you to, to think beyond just we're at work, we're trying to achieve something, everyone's got a role to play. But to really think through, well, how can I liberate that person to be better? I mean, why not them? Yeah. You know, in the same way that you're asking the question, why not me? And I've, I've, I remember when I, I, I did my driver's license, um, you, know, you, you go to the DMV, this is um, back in South Africa, you go to the DMV for the first time and you, you face it with some trepidation until you kind of think through, there's all these drivers around me, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have done this before. I can handle this. You know, um, I mean, I think there's an old saying that the, um, in the Talmud that um, the horse is equal to the, the burden. In other words, God only gives you what enough for you to be able to carry. You, whatever he gives you, you can carry. Sometimes I think we, we take that from a, a, a Western Christian perspective and say, well, yeah, the willing the willing horse gets flogged the most. It's not the message. The message is you, you are often given things, challenges that you can aspire to and learn more from. And yeah, you know, what I learned when when I, I did my license was um, anything that I can set my mind to, I can get done. Any opportunity that's presented, I'm the first to say that's a problem. I can solve that. Why not me? But I think the the inverse is true for for liberating the best in people. I mean, you you, you need to inspire to find ways to inspire people to think, well, why couldn't I do that? Why don't I grab that opportunity? Um, I think I think most of us want to feel, feel a sense of belonging, a sense, a sense of we're contributing to the greater good. And that, that that really means that you need to own what you're what you're busy with. So liberating the best um, as a as a value, it is, you know, certainly with um, with staff who uh, and team members who report into the organization, it's always means something very um, very visceral to me. It's, it's, a, it's a great responsibility, but it, it does require a lot of mindfulness, a lot of thought around where could that person be given the right circumstances and how do we encourage them to, to latch onto this and, and really get passionate about it? 
love that. What comes to mind as you were talking was, is we liberate the best. You, you, you spoke, I'm, I'm just going to draw a line myself, but you, if, if we can create an environment at work where they're getting fulfillment and, and stepping into their best and seeking those opportunities, I think it carries over beyond, beyond the working hours. It sets them up to be their, to be their best at home and for their family and for, for wherever they're, you know, wherever they may be volunteering or maybe in their church or whatever. So, uh, and you didn't act, come out and say that, but it was kind of this undertone when you mentioned fulfillment. I'm like, well, sure. If, if, if we can create this environment at work, they're, they're going to go home feeling fulfilled and like they contributed to the greater good and it just sets them up for better success to lead at home and, and wherever else they may be. Um, mm. as, so as you're working with, with companies and, and you know, instead of just providing a, a, a product per se, but actually incentivizing wellness, um, you're really talking about a cultural like a shift, a, a pretty significant shift. A lot of times, is it, would, would that be accurate, or am I? No, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I think there's a there's a marked difference um, between between taking the view that as a healthcare or uh, an employer in the US, you are trying to provide um, really good benefits, and part of that is healthcare. So, if that's your mindset, then obviously watching how much are you spending on on, on healthcare. That's one lens, but a very different lens is, wow, if, imagine if our employer, our employees were healthier. Imagine if we had a healthier workforce that, that were inspired to be healthier. Well, you know, the, the costs kind of look after themselves. If you can get, uh, if you can get um, not just the, the fact that our, the, the fact that our, our currently active, um, active if, you, if you can get everybody to participate and start working together to cure what is a, a, another pandemic. We, we've obviously lived through COVID now, and we, um, he's got coming towards the, the end of that. But there's a broader pandemic. There's, this, um, yeah, there's obesity all over the show. So there's uh, a sedent, people being sedentary. There's a, um, a lack of healthy quality within the, the broader environment. So there's, there's a lot of really tough issues that, that folk are dealing with, not just employers, but folk are dealing with. Imagine if we just galvanize people around that, and that... That is a cultural issue. Now, we, um, the, the U.S. corporate business, the Vitality Group, um, we, we don't just put in a program. We also surround the program with uh, a strategic account manager. And typically, account manager is um, synonymous with um, um, you know, retention and getting more money from your clients. Uh, our folk are the exact opposite. They're... they're they're wellness strategy managers. They help you work out what right, what are the right strategies to improve the wellness of your of your your membership or your employees. Sorry, um, and then we 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 put infrastructure down like Vitality Champs, people that will will spread the the, the good news as it were. Um, and what you find is people self organize around this stuff. You'll you'll have people saying, "Well, gee, yeah, I need to lose a few. Let me set up a walking club," and they walk with each other, and suddenly. That transforms the, the workplace from being, um, you know, you come to work and you have to do what you do. That's what you've been paid for. But it becomes more of a um, culture, more, more than that. It becomes a binding agent. And the, I, I think that's probably the, one, of the, um, one of the most pleasing pieces of um, you know, what we've developed in, in, in the US. We, you form a relationship with a company. You know, typically, it's a vendor-type relationship. But over, over four, five, six, seven years, 
it really starts feeling like family. You know, you, you get to know the company that well. You know, I've, I've cooked for um, the CHRO of a, a company on his retirement. I invited his team and flew out and cooked in a small kitchen for them because we just have such a great relationship. And I think, I think that, that, is, that does come from a place of we're all in this together trying to help. And, um, you know, on, on the grassroots there, people are, it's just wonderful to see people t- turn their lives around and do that with people around them through through a common purpose. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a cultural shift. It's it's not just um, you know sprinkle some pixie dust and hopefully people follow. Um, you know, if you give some money, you'll get an HRA. If you give some money, you get a blood draw. It, it's it, I think it's far broader than that. It's it's around incorporating rewards, recognition, um, and getting getting folks to understand that they have responsibility towards themselves um, for their health, but equally. We can all help each other. We can all keep each other honest. You know, I've got a, a, a good example of, I, I believe that um, being overweight or uh, the, the, the obesity pandemic that we see, um, it is contagious. And what I mean by that is, yes, you don't, you don't get fat by osmosis. There's no trans, transfer of weight. But if, you, if you're in an environment where a lot of people are heavier or, you know, than they should be, and you're not, you're going to think that you're really thin, but you may not be. So over time, it's, you, you get used to things, the complacency around you, and you know, it's okay if, if all your friends are, are, are having beers all the time, you're going to start having beer. It's, it's a very natural thing. I, said, I think it takes quite a bit of cultural effort to move away from that and say, well, actually, let's, let's strive to do better for ourselves. And that becomes contagious in itself. And that's a great, that's a great vaccine for yeah, um, the sort of risk that largely are, are lifestyle induced. Well, I was just in a group this morning, and we were talking about um, we we're actually going to um, John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership, and you know, just a, there was a brief talk about look at the, you know you can judge the the success or the quality of an organization by who's surrounding the leaders, and it's just that like who's in your room, right? The and the who are the five people you spend the most time with, and so whether mm. it's whether it's on one side of the health equation, if you're hanging out with people that are um, intentional about taking care of their health and and moving and what they're what they're consuming, uh, you're going to tend to go that way. Uh, and as you just pointed out, if you're on people that aren't and are spending more time maybe you know, drinking beers and, and just kind of sedentary, uh, you're going to tend to drift that way. And it's just the the nature of it. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's just like it's basic, basic human dynamics. You know, I think, I think um, you, you you just can't get away from it. But if if you if you do incentivize people to be to be healthier, I think it's great. I think what what we we try and focus on as well is um, to incentivizing engagement. You know, we we did some experiments in South Africa where um, folk were given value for losing weight. And we've done that in the US as well. We get people extra value if they lost weight. And the, the truth is those those sort of incentives don't work very well because you um, if you fall off the, the wagon, you don't lose the weight, then it's almost a double whammy because you one, you haven't lost the weight that you want to lose, but now you've also lost your incentive. So um, I think you have to be quite quite deliberate and quite um, selective with how you incentivize. Often it's it's the difficult things, the small things that you should be incentivizing. Yeah, we've got we've got a program. I see you you have a an Apple Watch. We have a program where essentially you pay a very small amount for the watch, 
and then you take an interest-free loan for two years. Now, if you exercise, you pay nothing back. If you don't exercise, then you, you pay the rate. And that, that loss aversion, that, that fear of having to lose $5 this month, gets people to, to see our unbelievable results. People that were sedentary become active. People that were active become more active. So, you know, I think by, by placing the right sort of incentives, you can encourage the right sort of behavior. And, you know, if you, if you, if you are struggling with, um, with health issues, if you are struggling with, with weight, um, the, the reality is you're not the only one and you're, you're, not, you're not lost. You know, you should be asking, why not me? Why, why not take that first step? Why not, why not try to, to just to do a bit more? You don't have to run a, a, a marathon. It's probably not very good for you. You don't have to run faster than everyone else. That's... It's just not true. What you should be doing is engaging a bit more, and the benefits—the benefits do come, uh, you know, after a short, short while. Um, and I, I think that's that's probably the strength of the program that um, we, we've been able to show study after study, um, having a look at our health plans, um, our life insurance plans that um, folk who are engaged in the health they could have multiple comorbidities, they could be um, really high on the risk scale, but. People who engage in their health, people who, who do try and be a bit more active, they'll go to hospital less. And if they do go to hospital, they'll come out a lot, lot quicker. You know, during COVID, we did um, some research into the effect of people who are engaged in the program and their risk of COVID. So what we found was um, people who are, are active on the program have a lower lower um, risk of, of contracting, but also they recover a lot mm-hmm. quicker. Which is completely intuitive. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're if you're overweight or not. If you are active and you're overweight, you're going to have a much better outcome than being inactive and overweight. And you know, the, like I say, the study after study bears bears this, that as a, a truth. So I think it's also you you have the opportunity just to to play on the the, the theme of why not. You, you you always have the opportunity to say, well, let me take a step back and ask myself that question. You know. Am I am I a product of a sequence of events, or have I been given the skills and the opportunity to to grab onto a different direction? And nine times out of ten, the latter is very very. Yeah, and I would I would I would also think from um, you know, obviously the individual's health is is of of utmost importance. But my experience has been, and I don't have anything to necessarily quantify this, but. As soon as you have a person, um, even taking those small steps, like it, just go for a walk every day and they start investing, like there's something that happens internally where they recognize that they're, they're investing in themselves. And so they automatically um, start to feel better about it, right? They're, they're adding value to themselves. They stand up a little bit straighter. And I would think that's going to carry over into even productivity at work and, and just, you know, I've when I had in CrossFit, I saw it across all areas of life. Their relationships improved, their jobs improved, and it wasn't necessarily that they were making. Um, they weren't. They didn't just start running marathons the next day. They just took small steps consistently, and it changed their whole demeanor. You mentioned the you know people even taking small steps, and like with with during COVID that um, they maybe were not. Uh, let's just call it in in prime athletic shape, but the fact that they were doing something, even if they were overweight, still lended itself to a quicker uh, recovery 
Uh, that, that correct? Yeah, that's, that's, that's 100% right. right. That's 100% right. And um, yeah, we've got these large studies that show that um, folk who engage in, in physical activity, even though they may have multiple risks, um, still have far healthier outcomes than those who don't. So there's, you know, it, it's never too late to start and engage in your health because the, the benefits of, of doing that are, are massive. Um, one, of the, one of the techniques that we use uh, from an incentive perspective is just to recognize that there's this idea of hyperbolic discounting, fancy term to say that um, if I look at going to the doctor today, you know, if I'm feeling ill, I'll go to the doctor, I get a pill, I feel better. The rewards are immediate. Um, if I look at wellness or, or health, I can't see those rewards. I know that it, it takes energy, it takes effort over a period of time, but I, I don't have a sense of what's the payoff for me. So we try and correct that. And in terms of um, hyperbolic discounting, people often will look at the future and say, my ability to change things in future um, you know, is, is actually greater than it really is. And then they, they undervalue the erosion of, of poor behaviors today. So it's almost like we... We intuitively say the future is going to be better for us, but we don't have to focus on it today, which the opposite is true. I mean, you need to focus on the small things today so that you can have a, a better outcome in, in the future. So by, by placing your incentives correctly within the population and making them very personalized, very focused on the individual need, you can nudge everyone, everyone along to where they need to be. Um, and I think it's, you know, if you're... If your starting point in designing these are the end consumer and their health, if you've got that in mind, you, you really do start getting people engaging in things that typically you don't think about. I mean, no one wants to think about death. No one wants to be, think about illness, which is kind of the in, invert. Yeah, so um, the inverse of, of inverse of uh, of health is a battle with the concept of health engagement. You engage with the health system. That's obvious, but you are actually engaging in your health if you're being active, if you're taking up a sport, if you're going for that walk. But it's not, it's not a very intuitive thing for us. You, know, you, don't, you don't think, let me go for a walk because I don't want to get ill. Because that's a morbid thought, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so my, you know, some of my life experience, my dad was, uh, he was sick for about 16 years with congestive heart failure. And so I've seen the, the, um, the penalty for not mm. exercising and taking care of yourself. And, um, and yet even, you know, even with me, that didn't stop me from being a smoker for 18 years. I had to get sick before I figured it out. And, and essentially what I've, what I've come to the conclusion of, we can either invest in our health now and, and, and change our quality of life later or, or just pay the dues later and not have the quality of life. Right. But either way, there's going to, there's a toll to pay and, and, Mm. and maybe toll isn't the right word because it doesn't set people nobody raised their hand and say let me pay the toll now but if if we i think if we invest now wherever you're at like you said it's never too late so whether you're 20 or or 80 if if you if you start now i think it can dramatically change the quality of life in the years to come yeah absolutely absolutely and i think that the same is true i mean that's that that works in the, the the corporate wellness space. You know, if you if you want to address the your long term health trend, you need to start with simple programs, um, get people active, focus on your high risk populations by all means, but get the broad population active. And even if if um, some of the the folk that are with you 
move in and out of the company. So some might, you know, people are transient. They'll leave the company after three years, four years. Um, I think there, there is a bit of a mindset of it does not matter. And they, so, you, know, you, you if you continue to just focus on that culture, you'll see the dividends in the long run anyway. I think some people are a little bit jaded saying, well, why should I invest if the person's not going to be here in five years' time because somebody else will, will, will get the benefits? I, I think those days are over. I mean, I, I, do, I do feel with, um, with, the, the, with the pandemic, that it has felt to me that there's been a bit more of the we in the, in the country. There's a bit more of, um, I don't know what your experience was if you, if you went for your vaccination, but I, I found it quite inspirational. I mean, the, the National Guard was there. There were a whole lot of volunteers. There were um, nurse practitioners. Everything felt well-coordinated. And, you know, it, it, it didn't feel as if there were any sides. It was, we were all doing that as Americans. It was great. I, 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 I did feel that there's, a, there's something that, that, there's some positive that we can take out of all of this, you know, that um, we can come together as a nation, that we can come together as communities and, you know, just chip in for the common good. And it's worth doing. Yes, we'll all succeed individually, but that, that sense of we, I, I really latched onto that. So, and the sense of the sense of we is so important, and it's interesting. So, you you brought up um, the vaccination, and and I haven't been, um, but that doesn't. But I but I support that you did, um, and and so there's, I don't know I, what what came to mind right now is there's still this there's such divide over this, um, and and almost almost discord, and. Um, all it is to say is, I just hope I hope we all come together uh, better uh, as we move forward and move beyond uh, the pandemic and COVID nineteen and you know wh- whatever that looks like. I just I just hope we can have these conversations and and can, and truly just support each other and love each other because that's at the end of the day that's what we're called to do, uh, regardless of your uh, of of our respective um, stand on things. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know part of the. The, the, the area that I look after is um, partnerships and um, design, so the digital practice within the, the group. And you know, I've learned I learned so many times, and it's lessons I learned in South Africa with the transition out of apartheid. I've learned it coming here to the US, very very different culture, having to to assimilate, um, you know, meeting an American wife, having becoming American myself. Um, you you're so much richer. Even if if you have your own faith, you have your own beliefs, you're so much richer for respecting, listening, taking in other opinions than the opposite. Doesn't mean that you have to change your opinion that you you are less. Um, but you know, if we, if we look at design, for instance, you know, I can I can come up with great designs, and my team can come up with great designs. But when we pull people from the organisation in and listen to what works for them if we when we sample our members when we we do research with members to find if things are going to resonate taking that all in you come to a far better informed decision even if there are some people who don't agree with it, it that's okay you've had the discussion you i mean i, I like the that the, 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 the idea of um, being called to love each other because you are you are called to to love people and it's regardless of how they find themselves you know it's not it's a um, it's not like you must only love the people that absolutely believe what you believe. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will move through this with um, a lot more tolerance, a lot more acceptance of diverse views of 
other people's opinion. But you know, so I think there is a, a time and place for your own belief and to maintain that, to preserve it, to nurture it, um, which has been difficult in this time as well. I mean, I think, I think um, it's like fractals, you know, uh, patterns that repeat themselves. The, the same pain that we've gone through at the workplace, not being able to connect with people. You have that in your personal life with your friends. You have it in your, your spiritual life, whatever that may be. It's, you can't connect with your, your community as well as you, you usually could. Um, so these little patterns, I think there are lessons there. And part of that for me is um, just having a sense of, regardless of our diversity, we, we are, we, there is often more, we often do have more in common than, than we realize. You know, certainly with, with COVID, there's a common there's a common disease. It's it's pretty indiscriminate about who it affects. <laughs> Things like obesity. It's a pretty common issue. It's pretty indiscriminate um, around. Yeah, you know, particularly with um, certain. Uh, you know, across. Um, uh, you know, ages that you. There's certain um, behaviours that will lead to um, weight gain. That will lead to other diseases. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, there's no, there's no person that, oh, well, yeah, I'm skinny for life. It's, you, you behave in a certain way, there's going to be a certain outcome. It's kind of predictable. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I am hopeful. I mean, I, I think um, we, we do need to get to a space where, where we do respect people's opinions and we listen to them and, you know, we agree to disagree if we need to. But at the end of the day, um, you, you, you don't want to be in a society where things are so... So it's split in half, you know, mm-hmm. by what feels sometimes like fictitious lines, quite frankly. Yeah, you know what? That was that was beautifully said. I don't know that I would try to add much to that because I'm I'm right with you. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I'll reaffirm what you went back to saying. You know, have the discussion and and listen, listen to understand, like where 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 the other person is coming from, and you know you you regardless of whether you change your view or not, and that's not the idea of it, you're going to be enriched for the experience for taking the time to listen. But if there's any hope of, of coming together and meeting, as you've already mentioned, the discussion has to happen. It's, it's not okay. It's, it's not going to work to just point fingers and not have the, have the discussion ever, which seems to be, you know, as you just mentioned, it seems to be these hard lines where um, there's no, there's no coming together. But, yeah, I mean, you, you you mentioned in, in one of your um, your podcasts that you know, the it's important to have values and it's important to have structure. And often your 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 Christian values actually things roll up into that. Yeah, and I I, I think there's a I, I found that quite an interesting comment because I, I do think that a lot of the practices that that you want to adopt, I and mean, you probably see this in your coaching practice, a lot of practices that you adopt, say at work or at the home, they, they spread all over the show. You know, if, uh, coming back to the start of the, the discussion, if you if you find fulfillment at work, if 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 you are finding that you you're bringing your best, it's going to help you in your personal life. It's going to help you in your family life. It's going to it, it's got a very positive effect on everything else. So I think I think a lot of these um, you know the a lot of the, the, the wellness the the cultural issues that I've spoken about they. The, the issues that you're trying to tackle actually have a tromboning effect. They they move into other other pieces of your life. So if you if you are a bit more physical physically active, for instance, it's got a small effect elsewhere. Um, you know, the underlying premise of the show, why not me? If you 
if you take the initiative and you grab something and you're you're okay with with um, doing that and taking the reward, it also will move into other disciplines in your life. So I, I do think that the, these patterns just kind of repeat themselves over. And it doesn't matter where you start, but um, I, I'm not I'm not being very articulate. I just I'm I'm a good problem solver and I, I like spotting patterns. And I, I think sometimes you can tackle a an issue through one route and it actually blends into others, um, which is why you know, um, value-based leadership, I think, is, is so important, that if you set that value, it, it kind of permeates everything that you do. It's, it's, um, it kind of helps you both at, at home, in the workplace, with your children, with your community, um, with you know, whatever social um, sort of, uh, setting that you, you find yourself in. Yeah, so the the term that's thrown around lately I've heard is is you know this this siloed approach to life where you've got your work and your faith and your family, but uh, to, to your point, I don't think it works that way. And I think if you and if it, if if you do have your life structured that way, I think it lends itself to sooner or later there's a pitfall there because they they are so intertwined, right? You're the same person that's going to walk through all those areas, and so. You know, when when you lift one, the other's going to come up with it. Um, if you if you try to silo, though, um, you almost have to almost ignore one to focus on the other, and it leads to bad things. So, uh, now that I've talked that through a little bit, I, I think it's important to just to be aware of that, like that there should be this blending, this this harmony between. Um, between your your work, your health, your faith, your family, like it, it all has to work together. And if, if we try and separate it, we're setting ourselves up for, I think, an unhealthy, um, just an unhealthy person, physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, it, it's it's what um, I was speaking about a little bit earlier about how do you tackle healthful population? Well, it's it's not just having rudimentary. Um, sticks that people have for, and carrots for for specific groups it is actually looking at the whole person understanding that mental health is important and um, giving people practices of gratitude understanding that the spiritual side is important the social side social connectivity is important it's it's all of that it's not it's a cultural issue rather than just oh well give some people some money to exercise more i mean that that's probably not gonna <laughs> gonna have a great outcome probably not what um What's your so is, is well? Who's your ideal customer? So just thinking about your your company and who all do you serve in the in the community? Sure. So um, we principally focus on um, mid to large employers. So anything uh, you know, employees with um, this by the size of like a thousand five hundred employees, all the way up to to jumbos with tens of thousands, you know, even hundred hundreds of thousands employees. Um, but we do have a um, we do have partners that um, for the for the much smaller companies who, if they've got a relationship like benefit management um, companies we can support them in that relationship. So we have literally clients that are you know, a thirty man group all the way to three hundred thousand. Um, I think our sweet spot in terms of our primary servicing is in the the mid to large segment. Um, now, I always say that if you've met one client, you've met one client. Um, you you really do need to listen to 
what that company and it, I, I see companies as a company of people. It's a group of people. So what 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 is that culture? What is their setup? And then um, over time, by listening to to what they're trying to solve, um, you get to solve very specific problems, and you build up a uh, a quiver full of arrows and you know the next company that you meet they might have two of those problems and introduce three more but really over time you've got a whole lot of tools of the trade that you can then bring to the party and say well you know have you thought of this have you thought of that we've seen that pattern before um so i i think what um what doesn't make for a good client is if a company is really literally trying to tick the box and you know, they know that they need a wellness program and they want a wellness program, but they're not looking for high engagement, they're not necessarily looking for a cultural change. Um, those are those are the sort of companies where you know they they pay their the the premiums, they um, they put the program in, but they don't have um, uh, wellness uh, champions. They they typically are okay with very low engagement rates. And those relationships, I don't think, are, are, are very suited to a, a long-term um, engagement at all. And we try and steer them towards high engagement because um, you know, we believe in our, uh, our mission of making people healthier. Um, so, yeah, companies that are, are genuinely looking to help without being paternalistic, help their employees be healthier, make for great clients. Um, it doesn't matter what size the company is. But, um, yeah, companies that are, are, are a little bit more tick the box and that you know we're happy with a low low degree of engagement in these these programs probably not a good fit for us sure um and and that makes sense as you described earlier your your long-term relationships you know six seven years and you're you're having dinner together for instance i mean that's that's that speaks to a company that's engaged (laughs) absolutely um what's the so what's your what's the long-term vision of vitality You know, I think our, our founder really wants to get everybody healthier, and that means that have everyone on the on the platform. Um, I mean, for for the, the the company more broadly, we um, we started in South Africa. We um, we've been in the, the US now for um, just over twenty years. Uh, we have a really strong, vibrant company in the UK, and we're in twenty three markets now, twenty three countries. So I think our, our longer term vision is definitely to. Um, to grow the business and grow more participation on the platform or on, on the on the program, um, we have an ambition of making 150 million people um, healthier by um, I think it's 2025. So um, we, we're we're trying to chase that as an agenda. I think it's a it's a big audacious goal. Uh, my personal my personal goal here in the US is to get as many people onto the program as possible and to look back you know, as when I go into retirement um, probably in 10. 15 years time to look back at the CDC charts where you see obesity you know in the US and how how it's gone up to look back on that and say look we made a meaningful dent at reversing that that's my that's my personal ambition um, but I, I think uh, you know, as with any other company it is it is um, to expand get more folk on the on the yeah. platform so if you were to leave our listeners with a a final thought, or maybe a, a question that we should all be asking ourselves: What would what would be top of mind? Sorry, my dog was barking in the background. The joys of um, of work from home. Um, so, if I were to leave um, your listeners with a question, I, I think it would be around um, 
how would you liberate the best of the folk around you? You know, would it be um, you know, through a wellness program such as Vitality or, or even just in terms of your own managerial practice? You know, if, you, if you take the mindset of how could I as a leader uh, make a difference to, and, and really find the best for this individual, um, I give, give it some thought and see what you, see what you come up with. I think it would be a, a, a great exercise. Yeah, so coming back to that core value, how can we liberate the best in this person or in these people? Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Hey, Stephen, if somebody wants to connect with you further, um, get to know you more, where where can our listeners, where can they find you? Um, yeah, we've got uh, thepowerofvitality.com is our, our website. Um, that's the, the, the consumer site. Um, from a, a corporate perspective, it's thevitalitygroup.com. Um, and you can, there's a lot of resources there that um, help with COVID, return to work, um, out in the public domain. And yeah, by all means, just click on the contact us button and we can have a chat. Fantastic. All right, man, this has been, this has been great. Thanks so much for, for coming on, for, for sharing with our listeners. Um, yeah, appreciate it so much. And hopefully we can, we can connect in the future. Uh, folks, hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, hope to see you back here next time. Uh, and please re- reach out to Stephen, reach out to Vitality, get to know them bo- better. They're all about uh, essentially a, a healthier population. And that's from where the markets are in, that's a worldwide endeavor. So connect with them. Um, until next time, everybody, what, whatever it is that God's put on your heart and in your mind, remember, you can. I believe in you. Peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.